Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode. First of all, we've made it to episode number 70, so thank you to all of our listeners. This week, we have our friend Olivia back on the podcast from last week. Tim and Jordan have a conversation with Olivia regarding her experience with John Christ, the Christian comedian. This story leads into the bigger discussion of cancel culture, failure in church leadership, women in the church, and the celebrity church culture. This episode is very honest and open, and we greatly appreciate Olivia's willingness to come on and discuss her personal story. So without further ado, let's jump into the discussion this week. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I am here as your host, Tim Whitaker, joined here with my co-host. I have Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Yep. I have, one and only. <laughs> I have Rob. Just kidding. He's not on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we actually got rid of him, and instead we replaced him with Olivia again. What's up, Olivia? Hello, hello. Doing good. Great to see you and hear from you again. Yeah, glad to be back. After our conversation last week, Jordan and Rob, I'm sorry, Jordan and myself, we voted Rob out because we figured our podcast was too white and too male. <laughs> so we figured this is a better... Yeah, it's, it's just still as pretty white. white. Yeah, <laughs> but now we have a female, so it's okay. Okay, so yeah, glad to be the attitude. female voice. Congrats, Rob! You're hearing this for the first time. You're officially out of the podcast. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know that yet until until he goes to edit this episode. So make sure you post this Hopefully. first, Rob. Then you can leave. <laughs> as he's the only one that knows how to post our podcast episodes. It's, it's really true. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, nevertheless, Olivia, it's great to have you back on. Um, we had a great episode recording, uh, I thought, last time you were on. And then, you know, after we stopped recording, we ended up talking even more, which I thought was great. Um, and the reason why we have you back on for this episode, I think, is because I think Robin Jordan and I have been kind of, kind of wanting to talk about some of the stuff we're going to get into later on but we haven't really felt a good time or even having a good person to do it with. And I feel like after the conversation we had, you know, after our last um, episode, it could be a great kind of thing to talk about. So I'm glad that you're on. I'm really excited to have you on for this. Thank you. Thank you. Great. So for all of our listeners who aren't privy to this conversation, um, after we, we recorded, yeah, we, <laughs> Just all of them. We, we we have no Patreon account yet for you know behind the scenes <laughs> no. footage for five dollars a month. So, because um, no one would pay five dollars a month for behind the scenes footage. Um, anyway, so we're hanging out, we're talking afterwards, and Olivia, you just kind of dropped this bomb on us. I gotta say, like I was not prepared for the conversation we were going to head into because you were talking about that that there were there were three things you were passionate about. You were passionate about women in ministry. I think was one comedy which was two and then you said cancel culture i was like huh 
okay, this is a real smorgasbord of things that you're passionate about. You know, I mean, comedy is one thing. The Me Too movement, cancel culture things, a whole different bubble. And then women in leadership is a whole different issue. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as we're talking, you kind of mentioned the situation that happened to you, which I'm going to let you kind of explain that kind of, you know, <laughs> when you said it, I didn't even know how to process it. Like, wait, I'm... I'm, um, I'm not, I'm not comprehending the words that came out of your mouth. And I know Jordan and Rob were kind of feeling the same thing. Like, wow, well, that's a really big thing to tell us. And we are, we were honored that you would, you know, tell us this, but I remember I told you, I said, well, listen, whenever you want to come back on our podcast and talk about it, it's an open door. And I'm really glad that you're here to talk about this uh, issue. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to you and kind of let you pick up the conversation from there and, uh, we'll go from there. So the floor is all yours. Oh, thank you. And before I start, I just want to sincerely thank you guys for um, not only allowing me to share my story on this topic, but also giving me just a lot of space and kindness and consideration and when and how I share it. Um, I wish more podcasters were doing what y'all do, and we need the church to be more like this. Um, so yeah, my main goal in this, um, I'm just going to set up my story, is I'm going to share my story but the purpose of what I wish this podcast will be more of is discussing how the church can do a better job of talking to victims uh, of cancel culture and the ones that are the perpetrators, you know, the ones that have done the wrong in falling disgrace and sin. And, and unlike our topic last time of mental health, where I feel like we've had a bit of a turning point in the last few years in the church. Uh, this conversation of grace and boundaries and cancel culture is one that I feel like we are just now dipping into today. And it's perpetuated by social media and mob mentality and the church and gossip, honestly. Um, and so that's what I kind of want to mm. set up my story with. And yeah, taking a deep breath and going in. Um, so my story kind of begins when I was 17. Uh, I was still a minor and I was on Twitter and it was a cool thing to be on Twitter then. And, you know, and I was following Christian comedians like Tim Hawkins and that sort of thing. And I found this guy on Twitter named John Christ. And I was like, Oh, like, and I was scrolling through and I was like, Hey, this guy's like actually kind of funny. Like most Christian comedians aren't actually funny <laughs> or a later podcast episode <laughs> yeah but you're absolutely yeah. right we'll so. talk about my other passion which is comedy <laughs> and how we can also do better with that as a christian culture right. we can do better and so i was kind of i just kind of found his account and started following him and started just replying to some of his tweets and he started replying back and as a 17 year old you're like oh my gosh like this kind of almost Christian celebrity is responding back to me. Right. And I felt like he really understood me because I was a Christian homeschooled pastor's kid. And so was he, he was also a homeschooled pastor's kid. So I was like, Oh my gosh, we have so much in common. And like, just we're joking back and forth. Right. And so at, after a few, like maybe two months of that, he was like, Hey, like you should come to one of my shows. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he wants me to like come to one of his shows and hang out. Wow. So I was like, yeah, like, I love that. And so, you know, I'm still 
in high school. So I asked my mom, like, hey, can I have the money? <laughs> and it was my birthday present. She paid for me to go. And she was like, but you need to bring a friend. And I'm still thanking my mom to this day for that. Mm. So, um, so I brought my friend, also named Olivia, who was also a homeschool pastor's kid. Oh, my goodness. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Double trouble. And so yeah. we go to a show. And at the time, John was touring with Tim Hawkins. And uh, so we went to the show, had a, it was a pretty good show. We laughed and had fun. And then afterwards he was like, started DMing me on Twitter. He was like, Hey, like, where are you? Like, I'm looking for you kind of thing. And then I eventually like walked up to his table and he's like, Oh my gosh, like, it's so good to see you and meet you. And like, you know, meanwhile, fans are coming up to him, but like, he's like, just hang out with me at the table and we'll talk in between, you know, hanging out with fans. That's pretty cool. It was, yeah, it was fun. And keep in mind, this was, uh, 2015. So this is five years ago. So he, this is, he had just released his Instagram girl, like white girl video. Mm -hmm. And that was his biggest video at the time. So he was like, just kind of starting to tap the surface of being big. Um, yeah. And so we hung out, he gave me free shirts and my friend, he took pictures with us. He took selfies with me. And so after like he hung, we hung out with him like for an hour and a half and he took us backstage to the green room. And during this whole time, he, I asked him cause I didn't know. And I was curious cause I was like, I don't know, he's cute. And I don't know where this is going. And I was like, well, how old are you? And he said, I'm 31 years old. And then he looked at me, he's like, well, how old are you? And I said, I'm 17. And I could just see like his face, like go a little bit ashen. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, uh uh-oh. Right. And so, and then he started, cause he's a comedian, started making jokes the rest of the night of like how I had a crush on him. And when I started having a crush on him and of course me as a 17 year old didn't know how to have great comebacks to a comedian. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so, uh, so I just kind of awkwardly like was there, but, um, so it was just really kind of weird and uncomfortable, but, and so we got to the end of the night and he almost brought us on the tour bus and we were like standing outside the door and it was like, he was like kind of debating with himself whether or not to do it. And then he was like, actually, like, I'm not going to bring you guys on, but it was like really great to meet you and we'll keep in touch kind of thing. Um, and so I have a question if you don't mind. Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about, you know, like if, I'm 17 and meet some drummer that I liked, you know, and he was DMing me back and forth and I'm hanging out at his merch table. Like that's like a larger than life kind of moment happening in real life. It had to feel very surreal for you and kind of just like, this is just super cool. Like this, what a cool experience. And also like, are we kind of friends now? Like that's pretty cool that I know this guy who's kind of on tour and you know, it's almost like street play with your friends, you know, like, yeah, my buddy, you know, John, which we chat every right. now and then. Is that kind of like, is that kind of like what's going through your head in this, in this moment? Oh, oh, completely. Like, and I just, I just idolized people that were like that, especially in the Christian community. Cause I was, you know, pretty sheltered growing up. And so this was pretty, you know, it was, and I loved comedy. And so right. I was like, okay, this is great. Uh, and so a month goes by and I turn 18. So I'm 18 at this point and we're still kind of messaging back and forth on Twitter. And at one point he DMs me on Twitter. Like I remember one Sunday and he was like, 
hey, I'm like in the Carolinas and I'm on tour and I'm just like really lonely today. I'm like walking around by myself. Like, do you want to FaceTime later today? And I was like, sure. Like, that sounds cool. And, um, and so thank God also, I was like, I'm going to bring my other friend Olivia on this call with me that you already met as well. Um, which now I also know is a divine appointment from the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And so he gave me his number and then we FaceTime later and it was just a chat and stuff. And we just joked and nothing really happened, but he was like, I miss you guys. And like all this stuff. And yeah. And so, but then I had his phone number. So then we started texting and so he would text me and then I like posted a picture in his shirt one of his shirts. And he's like, can I post that on my Instagram? So he posted a picture of me on his Instagram. Um, I think it's still actually up there if you go back far enough. (laughs) Um, And he started just talking to me a lot. And like at one point, like one or two points called me like baby and started sending me like kissy face emoji and like all this stuff. And I was like, I'm like falling in love with like this comedian and he's like interested in me and you know I was like really liking him and I was like 14 years isn't you know that crazy of an age right totally (laughs) but I was so naive I was so naive and I I just was like I can fully trust this guy he's a Christian and Mm. like there is nothing that he would do to me there's nothing wrong And so, but I was like under the pressure, like we're kind of starting a relationship here, like kind of like getting this, like in the talking stages kind of thing. And then I went to college that fall and we stopped talking for a while. And then that Christmas we talked again, just for a little bit back and forth. And then we never talked again after that. And so this story of John Chris, as we know, and I'll get further into this, has gone very viral and there have been lots of women's stories. And I have, I would claim my story to be one of kind of emotional manipulation and him taking advantage of a young, young girl. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it was very inappropriate, but he did nothing physically against me. He, um, didn't really send me anything disturbing. So I'm going to claim that for my story. Yeah. And so I just want to make that clear. So fast forward um, to December of 2018 and I was on Twitter doing something and I kind of tweeted like an offhand comment about John Christ. And all of a sudden I started getting this, these tweets from this guy, like messages and like saying, Hey, like, do you have like a personal story with John Chris? I was like, yeah, actually I do. And he said, let's talk. And so he basically starts DMing me about how there's all these women and one of them, like he's a friend with close friend with that John Chris just manipulated and kind of assaulted and um, just used frankly. And I was horrified, but I also like could totally see it because the older I get, the more I saw like how inappropriate his actions toward me were and how totally out of line they were. And then I started learning that some of the women he was talking to was while he was talking to me in 2015 and like one of them was married um, and just all these things. Um, 
and then women started reaching out to me. And so I had a, I remember I had a girl come up to me on Instagram and say, Hey, like I'm talking to John right now. And I kind of heard through the grapevine that he started talking to you when you were a minor. Is that true? And I said, yes, it was. And she's like, okay, I'm, this is the final straw. I'm blocking him on all social media and he's not allowed to contact me anymore. And so once I started learning women, other women's stories and getting to reach out to them personally, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much deeper and there's so much hurt and so much just sin, you know, mm-hmm. at the core of this. Um, and then I was approached um, through this man that I was talking to on Twitter. He said, hey, I have a reporter from Mother Jones that would love to speak with you if you're open to it. And I thought about it and prayed about it. And I told him, no, like, I don't want to talk to the press because um, even though like I was like, quote unquote, victim, like me and these other women are afraid to give their names because some of them are in ministry and are afraid of losing their jobs and their reputations even though they were like the victims. Mm. Um, And I just want to take a quick aside here and say, like, if any of you women are listening right now, like I am so sorry for what happened to you and I'm praying for you and um, feel free to reach out to me on social media if you want to talk privately. Um, And I'm here for you, but more importantly, uh, Jesus really is here for you. So I just want to take a quick aside to say that. Um, And so I didn't want to be one of I didn't, I was going into ministry at that time in December, 2018. And I was like, I don't want my name on an article for when jobs look me up in the future to be like, oh my gosh, she let this happen to her. Like, we're not going to hire her essentially. And so, um, basically, (sighs) sorry, we're making our way through this. Take your time. Um, there's a quote, I'm going to take a qu- another pause here and say there's a quote from Ed Stetzer in a Christianity Today article that he wrote about the scandal with John. And he has just this fantastic quote, and it's this. To start, I'm glad that we are beginning to take seriously the stories of those who have been wounded and abused at the hands of those who claim to follow Christ. My friends are telling me this was known a while ago about John Christ. It's not that women who were damaged by his behavior have been hiding somewhere or sweeping this under the rug. They were speaking up, but very few people were listening. It's crucial that we listen now and sooner next time. So there were people that were advocating like this man on Twitter on our behalf. So he was speaking up on Twitter and saying, I have friends that are women that have been manipulated and all these things and us women were the ones that weren't speaking up but we felt comfortable to have other people do it for us and so there were some people staying silent like me and there were other people speaking up on our behalf um so it's just important that we listen right so going back to my story um So that was December of 2018 and November of 2019. So almost a year later, I was working at my other job at Trader Joe's and I was ringing someone up at the cashier and 
I just was asking this lady, like, what are you doing today? You know, typical question I ask everybody. And she was like, oh, like, I'm going to see this comedian, John Christ. Have you ever heard of him? And literally, like, my heart just, like, kind of stopped. <laughs> and I was like, he's in Lexington? No way. And the whole day, I just was, like, struggling with anger and deep bitterness. And, and I remembered that, like, almost a whole year prior that I was thinking of talking to a reporter about an article. And I had been waiting on this article now for a year. And I'm like, gosh. And I was just so angry and bitter. And at our, my church's staff meeting the next following uh, few days, I like broke down in tears because I was just so bitter and so angry and I didn't know what to do with it. And I had a conversation with my boss, Mika, and my coworker, Hannah, in an Arby's. I like cried in an Arby's. About <laughs> I was like, I, I know he's like here in Lexington right now. And it's just so disturbing to me that he's still getting to play churches and honestly one of our sister churches where my friends were on staff and that my friends on staff were allowing him to be at this church. Wow. And my sweet boss Mika and Hannah were saying, Olivia, like we know it's frustrating, but trust on the Lord's timing. Like the Lord knows what he's doing and he holds justice and grace in his hands. And I was like, okay. And then two days later, the article came out about John Christ mm. and the scandals. And it was such, I mean, it was like the Lord just knew. It was insane. But so then I think like a Christianity Today article, I'm uh, sorry, I can't remember the exact first source that released an article, but then like CNN and all these news outlets and like, I feel like Entertainment Tonight and you know, secular news outlets too, were just talking about, you know, because at this point, right, John Christ, he has so many videos with millions of views. He's reached, he's branched out of the Christian realm into the secular realm of comedy. He's been on Good Morning America. He was literally about to have a Netflix show on Thanksgiving Day released. Right. And so, and it was everywhere. And then people were shocked, right? <laughs> And yeah, I was one of them. <laughs> I couldn't wait for a special to come yeah. out. I'm like, I'm so excited. A great, yeah. I, my big thing with John Chris was always like, sorry to interrupt you. It was just really like the idea of like, ah, like finally a funny Christian comedian who really gets church culture and is hilarious. And then the story drops. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, oh my God. So, yes, yeah. I was one of those people. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, the last five years of my life, I've seen people share his stuff over and over on social media. And it's like, you've been manipulated by someone and you're like, oh, like normally you can just block them on social media and then get out of the friend group and then you're fine, right? And with this situation for me, it was like, I can never get away from his name popping up on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter or people lauding him and going to see paying money to see his shows yeah and so even when the news broke i was still relatively quiet on social media i posted the articles but not my connection with him because i was still scared um i was still scared to speak up because again i still didn't want my name associated with him i didn't want people to assume that 
the exact same things that had happened to other women happened to me. And I didn't have a platform to share it in an audio session like this where I could speak my own story and it not be misconstrued because everything I'm saying is my story. And anyway, so I saw his Netflix show canceled and then he went silent to um, apparently go to rehab, right? So this is in November of last year and eight months go by and it's this summer and I'm sitting in my break room at work and I get a notification on YouTube because somehow five years ago I had signed up to get notifications on email when he posted a YouTube video and I couldn't find a way to get it off. It was awful. <laughs> But I got a notification on his phone like, John B. Chris posted for the first time in a while. And so I clicked on it and it was his apology video. And so I'm sitting in my break room and I'm watching it. And it's like every second that goes by, I get more bitter and more angry. And the ironic thing is that I happened to be at that time writing a blog on cancel culture. And so I was writing a blog on how cancel culture has affected us and how we need to have the heart of Jesus towards people and balance grace and justice and truth um, equally, right, as Jesus would. And then I see this video and I'm getting more bitter and angry at every second. And by the end of the video, I just was like, Lord, I am so angry right now. He... I don't feel like this apology video was great. <laughs> he never said he was sorry to us women in this video. He didn't talk about the grace of Jesus redeeming him and him recognizing his sin and being repentant before the Lord and having church leaders really going alongside him. He just talked about how pretty much like, thank you for the church for not like, completely throwing me out and I'm back kind of thing. And he did, he did own his actions. He said like, I did do those things, which is admitting things, but it's not necessarily repenting. And so, yeah. And so I stopped writing this blog on cancel culture because I was just so angry at him. And I was telling the Lord, I want him to be canceled. And I was reading all these comments under the video of like, welcome back. Like, we're so glad to have you and all these things. And I'm like, y'all, like, I don't, I don't feel like this is a new John, <laughs> you know? And, and I really had to start wrestling in my heart with Lord, I want him to be healed. Lord, I want him to <laughs> have a deep relationship with you and, and know you intimately and walk through a season of repentance. And, but yeah, I don't feel like this is it. I don't feel like that happened and I don't sense that in, in my spirit and I'm, I want him canceled. And so that was kind of my journey with that. And then only last week was I able to finally synthesize my thoughts and kind of come to some conclusions on the whole idea of cancel culture and what is the church's response to victims and what are the church's responses to people that have, you know, done the sin. And, and so, yeah, that's my story. And so um, yeah, I appreciate you guys listening thus far and being, really kind and gracious. 
Um, but I do want to kind of open the floor of what your guys' thoughts on cancel culture and, you know, John Chris maybe situation in particular, but also just in general with other pastors having moral failures and having to drop out and how the church has responded. I just well, dropped a really deep question. <laughs> I mean, That's thank fine. you for sharing. It's um, yeah. even though I have never, um, as especially as a guy, never been in any kind of situation like that. I know it's difficult. Um, and I know it's hard to tell a story like that. It's a very vulnerable place. So thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. I know it's not easy, especially publicly. Um, yeah. um, I had a few, I was just kind of thinking through the story. I'm, I was jotting down some notes on just like things I wanted to maybe like, either maybe ask you about for some um, like deeper mm-hmm. thoughts on. And then, yeah, we could definitely get into the whole idea of uh, cancel culture and everything else. But um, you mentioned twice that you were, that you were hesitant to go to the press um, because of the effect it would have on you um, mm-hmm. and maybe like your potential job that you might get if someone looked you up and mm-hmm. saw you were tied to this. Mm-hmm. So the concern was really more about, about you than it was like, oh, I don't want to like ruin John's like platform. Is that correct? Or was that part of it too? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned about his platform, I guess. I, yeah, well I asked because it's just such a shame that like, that's the thought process is if I go mm-hmm. public mm-hmm. for having a man who's 14 years older than me, kind of at minimum, emotionally manipulate me and if I was if I wasn't careful it could have gotten a lot further as we have evidence Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. um therefore I will not go public about this because someone might see that this happened to me and I might not be able to get a job or they won't believe me or they'll think that I'm exaggerating but somehow like the negative the negative connotation is on your side right you know it's not like you're like I just you know at the time I was so blindsided by, by imaginary love. I just didn't want to hurt him. It's like, no, like I didn't care about that. I didn't want to like not be able to get a job in church ministry because this right. happened to me, yeah. you know, right. it's like, that's, that's a crazy thing. So yeah, right. I wanted to ask that for clarification purposes. And then I was yeah. thinking about, um, let's see, uh, do, do, do. Yeah. It's, um, let's talk about that apology video because, so I'll kind of give you like, you know, where I was like watching this whole thing from a total outsider perspective, right? I, I follow John Chris. He's hilarious. He's witty, really, you know, he just really mocks church culture well, which people who listen to the podcast know me, know that I have a lot of problems with church culture. So it's like a match made in heaven, right? Like I, I can post this and it's funny, but also accurate, wink, wink, and so don't get mad because it's funny. <laughs> so... You know, so John posts this and then I see the Netflix special on Pumford to come out and then like this article drops, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like here we go. There is, there's another one bites the dust, so to speak. You know, of course it was almost too good to be true, right? John was, mm-hmm. you know, here it is. And, and then as you're reading these articles, especially the one I think in Christianity Today from the girl you know, like they, they went roller skating together kind of thing. It was a very yeah. like, close relationship. Yeah, that that one. I read that one the most. So I'm like, well, that's like that's like sexual assault. You know, like mm-hmm. he's 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 trying several times after being told no mm-hmm. to, you know, um, initiate physical intimacy with her. And mm-hmm. she's saying no. And he's still trying like that's sexual assault. And especially in 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 this particular day and age where that is really highlighted. I mean, it's always wrong. Right. It, it surpasses mm-hmm. culture. But in this culture, it's really focused on. 
Um, and so I'm like, well, this is not good. And then Netflix pulls the video, which I thought was the right move. And John Chris goes away pretty much. He kind of disappears. And I'm like, well, we'll see what happens, you know? And then, of course, mm-hmm. a couple months ago, I'm on Instagram and I see John Chris has posted and it's this video. I'm like, okay, like I know he's been away for a while. I know he's been, I think, in rehab and I think that he's been getting help. And so I'm just thinking like he's just hopefully going to level with people and like pretty much repent and ask for a lot of forgiveness for the people that he's wronged. And I'm watching the video and I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, he, he kind of said that he did some stuff he wasn't proud of, but it wasn't very specific. And he didn't mention the women. He didn't, me- he didn't mm. mention the, the sexual abuse. He didn't mention a lot of things. And, um, and like you pointed out in the conversation, he no mention of Jesus, which is really concerning. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, now that that's out of the way, here's a funny video that I've had planned and probably made like months ago and upload. And we're just kind of back to normal, back to John Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing all these people commenting, all these like blue checked, you know, blue checked, uh, yeah. Yeah. celebrities like yo welcome back bro miss you so much welcome back like open arms and then i'm thinking okay i don't want to be the person who's yelling crucify him right so to speak right right um but you know i do have some concerns but also like <laughs> maybe he did reach out to the women privately and they've like he's he said his piece to them and they're on i don't know I, I don't know i'm trying to rationalize at the time you know like well not everything's for public consumption because we hear we hear that kind of excuse a lot, right? Like, well, you know, Tim, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so assume positive. That's kind of the the idea. Like, assume that John mm. has made the wrongs, right? And like, he's good. Um, and then you know, we meet you, you tell your story, and I also had another friend who um has just had some experience with like this kind of stuff um as well, and she was saying how for her the video was also very um uh, what's the word? Uh, it's like um. Wow, I'm blanking on the right word for it, but like not genuine, disingenuous. That's it. He was kind of disingenuous. Good vocab you know? word. Yeah, whew, I had to really dig for that one. <laughs> but um, and I I kind of agreed, and then we got stuck on this idea of like, well, what do you do with this, right? Like, people are fallen. We know that, but also, why is the church like so quick? Just to be like, thanks, John. You know, like no questions asked. You're back in it. Everything's good. This never happened. The sexual assault never happened. The, um, you know, using tickets as a way of power to get sexual favors out of your followers yeah. just never yeah. happened. You know, like it's all mm-hmm. good. So I am like you where I, in the sense of I wrestle with, with this idea of cancel culture, because I think the problem with cancel culture is where do you draw the line? Like if it's only whatever society mm-hmm. says is a hot button topic right now, that's not a very stable foundation to, to be able to say like, okay, you know, you should be in the public spotlight. You shouldn't. Um, so it's a very complicated, messy issue. Cause I, as a Christian, especially, right. You want to be for people. You mm-hmm. want to assume that God is for the broken and broken are people that do really evil things. Like grace is radical in the Christian yeah. faith. Yeah. Um, so I want to practice that, but also when someone has hurt people and doesn't seem very repentive of it and is back in the public spotlight, I, I want to kill him, you know, like, no, down with John Chris, like I unfollowed him, you know, I refuse to participate in it. So I definitely go back and forth um, on this issue for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's been a journey for me, honestly, what I feel like for the last 
at least really thinking about it for the last two, three years and dwelling on, okay, God, what does it mean to have grace for this person? What does it mean to trust you as the ultimate judge, right? And, excuse me, I really struggled with those exact emotions that you had and those exact feelings and like, right, like crucify him. (laughs) But yeah, Jesus says, um, in Matthew 18, 22 to forgive 70 times seven. Right. And ultimately when I started, uh, kind of really dwelling on cancel culture, which by the way, cancel culture is nothing new. It just is a new name, cool, sexy name for it now. Yes, uh, cancel, cancel culture has definitely been around since pretty much the beginning of time. And now we just have a phrase to like neatly, you know, slap onto something like Gen Z is like, oh my gosh, you're canceled because you did that, 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 and we're never speaking to you again. And so basically in my reaction to John, I'm like, okay, I want him canceled because he messed up. I really felt Jesus saying to me like, but have I canceled you? (laughs) Like, let's look at all the times you've messed up, right? You've messed up really big in your life and you've messed up a ton of really small times every single day. And I have every single right to cancel you. (laughs) I have every single right to dishonor, like, throw you basically away because of your mistakes and your sinful nature. Yet his grace is so deep and so wide and so beautiful that he calls me out and redeems me in spite of that. And so when the Lord started speaking to me about that, I had to look at John, you know, with new eyes and be like, okay, well, in my eyes, I don't feel like he's you know, repented, but a, how am I to know his heart fully? I don't only Jesus does. Right. Um, and you know, Tim, you have a good point. Like maybe he did reach out to a few of the women, like the ones that were more recent and he just didn't reach out to me. Like maybe that is the case. And that's just my story. Um, but ultimately he's not going to have to answer to me. And that's the frustrating thing. He's not going to have to answer to the other women. He's not going to have to answer to the other churches um, that he hurt. He's going to answer to Jesus. And I'm really thankful that Jesus is the one because he knows true justice. Right. And so when I really started to like lean into that and sit in what that felt like, I started to kind of reframe my perspective not saying it wasn't easy, not saying like John Chris, I think should have consequences and he has faced some consequences. I mean, he really has his Netflix show was canceled, all this stuff. Right. But I, the Lord calls me to forgive him. Right. As hard as it is, the Lord calls me to forgive him. And have grace for him. Now, does that mean I become his best friend and we text all the time still? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's, I think we, as a church often are like, well, if I show him grace, like that means like we have to be buddy buddies still and there's no boundaries and all that stuff. Right. 
no, <laughs> like I have boundaries right. and we're not, you know, I don't follow him on social media. I don't talk to him, but I can still pray for him. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed. It's I mean, fine. <laughs> well, I, I, I think what I'm wrestling through verbally out loud here, and I don't mm-hmm. have an answer or even like, um, I'm not taking a position. I'm just kind of wondering, <laughs> like, sometimes I feel like, I feel like sometimes the church's view on forgiveness compared to justice are kind of heavy handed. So mm-hmm. like the victim has to forgive as soon as possible, but the perpetrator like can just continue on like in their career. I mean, that mm-hmm. we see that it's not just John. I mean, yeah. that happened with a lot of Christian leaders yeah. that we've seen um, yep. several, um, you know, from, um, Wow, who's the guy? Wow, I have his face in my head. He preaches really long and he yells at people. He's kind of a jerk. He's in, he was in like the 2010s. Who? Oh, yeah, Mark Driscoll. My wife helped me out with that one. You know, like like Mark Driscoll is a good example of had this huge falling out, you know, like turns out yeah. was doing super crazy stuff. He's still planning churches. Like he went away and got help and now he's back mm. to planning churches. You know, like, not, mm. oh, it's all good now. You know, and mm-hmm. so it's like, well, they their justice is like, you know, a year or two and then, OK, you're back. But the victim like, well, just forgive them and move on like as soon as mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. You know, don't hold on to that bitterness. That bitterness will destroy you. Mm-hmm. I think that there's I think it shortcuts like the lamenting process of. Hurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely believe that 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 hurt can turn into bitterness and it can ruin you but you have to like let it have its course right i mean like mourning the same thing you're you don't have someone close to you die people don't go just get over it dude like it's no big deal like they're in heaven it's okay no there's a process that you go Mm -hmm. through and i'm just wondering like Mm -hmm. why it seems like in our church culture we're so quick to really push forgiveness on the victim but we're slow to push uh push justice on the perpetrator Mm. yeah yeah, I, I wonder too. Sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I wonder too if there's like a difference, or I feel like maybe there is a difference sometimes between when it's like just a random person that is not in the public eye and when it is like mm-hmm. someone like John who's, you know, semi famous, or if it's just even just uh, like a leader in a larger church community kind of thing it seems like sometimes there's more of a push to get those people back when they've had that sort of like celebrity idolization piece going on. And I know that's something that you want to get into later. Um, but it just seems like there's sort of, it's not the same for everyone necessarily. And I think it certainly can happen, Tim, what you're saying about um, the forgiveness thing. And, and that's really good. I think, even in just, you know, this person who's random and this person who's random, similar situation without the celebrity element. Um, but I think there's less of a pressure to like reaccept that person into a community then. It's, I feel like it's almost more accepted to just, you know, let that person go mm-hmm. or, you know, get them help, you know, in a different area mm-hmm. and, and not let them back into the situations where they can, you know, re fall into what they were doing before kind of thing. But with like celebrity pastors or celebrity comedians <laughs> or whoever, it's this like, you know, as soon as we possibly can, you're right, Tim, it's like, let's get them back in as soon as we can. They've done their, 
you know, they've done their time, whatever that is, which is completely arbitrary. Um, you know, and now it's time to like forgive and accept them back. And to your point, what you were saying before about like the difference between forgiveness and just being buddy, buddy with them again, I think there is a totally different, that's totally different things. Like I feel like forgiveness is more for yourself. Maybe it doesn't affect them whether you forgive someone or not has no effect on them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not going to even, they probably don't even know like forgiveness is something that happens internally in you. And like you said, Tim, it is a process that I think we should give more time to and more grace for those people going through things like that. But even getting to that place of forgiveness doesn't mean that we're going to allow that person back into your life in the same way. And it's really interesting, you know, to see on maybe a bigger scale, the way that those people are sometimes, for example, like a pastor, like Mark Driscoll, like you said, and I've seen this happen, um, in other ones, in, in other situations, more local, slightly smaller situations where, you know, there's a pastor who has a moral failing and, you know, they go away for a while and they are maybe taken out of that context of that church, but then they end up somewhere else in another church, you know, even in the same town. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you and I are thinking of the same thing, yeah. Olivia, because that was a <laughs> local thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. and I think that kind of what you were saying about um, the idea of the victims don't have a time to like grieve uh, aren't given enough time something that so when the article came out uh, in November last year I would. I spent probably an unhealthy amount of time scrolling through comments of what people were saying under articles and under um, videos and under all of these things and people just responding and some people being like, it's the woman's fault. Like, why did they put themselves in that position in the first place? Why did they trust John? And like, <laughs> I mean, all these things and like, they should have known better. And it, I mean, it took everything within me to like not comment under them and be like, I'm sorry, I was 17 years old. I was a literal child. I was naive. I was sheltered. I didn't know that these things could happen within the Christian circles yet. Mm. I thought they were separate, part of the secular world, didn't happen in Christian circles. And so... And then there were, there were people like standing up for the woman saying, Hey, like some of these women are probably reading these comments and like, that is extremely hurtful and insensitive to them. And, and so there was a huge, I mean, it was very emotional for me that day that that article came out. I mean, my, my roommate and my best friend could attest to it. Like I was a mess the whole day and for a while after that, and I had to mourn and I had to grieve and grieve over my sisters in Christ stories. And um, there was a a process of that and I'm still going through that and there's still anger. I don't think someone, when I posted my blog post, my, my cousin actually commented under it and said like, 
it's, you know, it's like, okay to be angry. Right. And I'm like, yeah, like, and I still can be angry because it's injustice and it's sin. And God is an angry God at times. He is a God that has wrath and is capable of anger. And so I can be capable of anger too. And it's that unrighteous things. And so I can hold that position, but there, I feel like can be a lot of anger right now, especially immediately with social media. And I think it's important that especially millennial culture learns what true grace means. And true grace doesn't mean, well, there's grace that can be had more often, I believe. And so, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, obviously it's, I think what's most important for any person who's like a victim, victim of like, you know, emotional uh, manipulation or sexual assault, like that has to be on their terms. They have to reclaim Mm -hmm. when that, when they have to do that. You know, I feel like we really can't push on them. Like, Hey, like you need to do this now. Like, no, they have to have control over how that process works out for them. And we as fellow family have to have grace and empathy, mainly empathy, um, which means that just because you didn't experience it doesn't mean that you can't you know, be empathetic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to have more empathy and patience and understanding that if it takes longer than we think it should, mm-hmm. that's not any of our business, right? Yeah. Because ultimately it's not us that the offense was given against. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, I was also, I also was reminded of uh, Bill Hybels, who was another big one, yep. you know, kind of started the secret sensitive church movement. And, you know, the whole thing was really handled poorly by the church. They, yeah. Chicago Times comes out with this article. They do their own internal investigation. They find no wrongdoing. Meanwhile, three people mm-hmm. on staff resign because they felt like, like the whole thing was handled so poorly. Bill denies the allegation. So I'm, I wish I can say that this is like a secular culture thing, but it's really not. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's in the church too. And I think that, um, and I maybe I could be stretching it a little bit, but My thought is that because things like the Me Too movement are seen as politically liberal things and most Christians, evangelicals are conservative, they're already against that idea as a whole. Like no one's going to be like, oh, no one's going to say if you were assaulted, you shouldn't have justice. Everyone agrees. But the believe all women thing, people are men, I should say men, are very apprehensive about it because I don't know why. I can't figure (laughs) it out because- even in my own mind, I've had to like fight my own normal thoughts. Like, well, like what, kind of what you said earlier, like, well, how did you not see it? How did you not see the warning signs? I've had to stop myself like, whoa, Tim, just because you don't understand in your brain doesn't mean that, that this is like somehow real. What you're saying is real. It's not, it's not true. So I don't know why men have this apprehensiveness towards this thing. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but it's been, it's been really shameful to see church leaders, um, who have either been accused or who have committed, um, or who have been on the boards of people who have been, you know, um, um, accused of it just to be so staunch and to be so like, well, whatever it is. So it is, it is difficult because, uh, you know, the me too movement I think is necessary. It turns out there's a lot of men in power abusing their positions of power. We've seen that in Hollywood, in the church. Um, and that's, that's a problem. So yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's a really big subject. And, um, 
there's definitely ways to navigate it as Christians. Like I do think that's some of like, I call it, it's almost like stoning culture, you know, like stone him or her stone this person. And that, that translates into other conversations too, you know, about like how people handle sexual ethics, how people handle race relationships. You don't say the right thing. There seems to be this like bandwagon that you make one mistake and like, that's it. It's over. So mm -hmm. certainly we don't want to be like the culture in that sense of just no grace, no understanding, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to be so cold hearted. Um, but it's a shame to see some of that cold heartedness happening in our churches, especially when it comes to victims of sexual assault um, or manipulation um, and just like you said, some of the brutal nature that people, especially on social media, they'll just say things that you're like, wow, that, I mean, that mm -hmm. is, you would never say that to me, you know, ever in person right. but behind the keyboard, man, like, right. You just hide a lot. So there's no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Tim and I hate each other on Facebook. <laughs> oh yeah. Very, very mean to each other. A lot of Especially about those, uh, audio messages, right? Just love audio yeah. messages from Tim. Yeah. Yeah. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim, really quick, going back to what you're saying about uh, church leaders believing women, I really believe, like, look back again, look back at the scriptures, right? How did Jesus treat women? And Jesus really believed women and believed in women. And I mean, story after story, like the woman, the Samaritan woman and the adulterous woman and uh, Mary and Martha and how he spread the gospel after his return from the tomb, like to Mary. And she was an evangelist and spread the word that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so Jesus trusted women and Jesus believed in women and women are made in his image. And I think because of the culture in America and the belief, I, this is going back to the women in ministry kind of point that women's voices, you know, going back to verses from uh, first Timothy and uh, kind of Ephesians, basically that women's voices aren't to are kind of to be silenced. And of course, so many church boards would like say, Oh, they're not meant to be silenced, but in a way they're like, Oh, but they're just doing this for the attention. And I, I mean, I want to combat that because like, oh my gosh, going back to my own story, I haven't been able to speak up about this until now, five years later. And like, I'm not doing it for attention. I'm doing it because I think this is a topic that needs to be seriously discussed and that we need to search deep within the heart of ourselves as a church and understand how to treat people with grace and how to treat um victims with grace right and so it's it's kind of a laughable thing like who wants to talk about some of the deepest hurts in their life not many people it's really hard to be vulnerable right, right. <laughs> so yeah yeah Right. Oh, that makes sense. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I just finished reading a great book called the blue parakeet. I recommend it for you. You would love it. It's by, um, this like PhD guy, doctorate genius named Scott McKnight. Mm. And, uh, one of the points he makes that have has actually really furthered my, um, like my emphasis on women, um, as a whole, especially with how like we treat them in our society, how they've been treated in the past, um, is that he talks about how before the fall in the garden narrative, 
men and women were both made in the image of God. They were both equal. And it's not mm-hmm. until the fall that we see this, like, um, you know, men powering over the woman, women fighting for that position. This like, this like tension between the two. And one of his points is that he says, when we're in the church gathering, we are representing and we are reliving a world without the fall. So mm-hmm. we should we should treat women like that ideal ethic because that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming mm-hmm. towards getting back to the garden, not yeah. towards contributing in this divide of like the power, you know, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. the power struggle. I was like, wow, that's like such a great point of how, especially the Bible for its time, that's a pretty progressive thought that men and women were created equal. That wasn't a thing in the ancient world in that right. sense. Right. And it's like, yeah, like we have to get back to that. And so, you know, it's something that my wife and I talk about a lot is like, how do I just be better at like, you know, not making her feel like I'm, I'm like lording over her because that's not the intent at all. But there seems to be this perspective mm-hmm. in a lot of church culture, not all of it, but I think in a lot, especially with like the John MacArthur types. And by the way, I wish that we had Rob here because Rob, um, well, both explain a different time, but he goes to a um, gospel hall church. Awesome. So. Oh yeah. And yeah. And I visited and it's awesome. And we had a great time, but women wear head coverings, they don't speak, but he's also like not John MacArthur at all. Like it's so weird. Rob is such a weird dude. I would tell him that to his face. Like he is, he's like, he's so an enigma. He, he is an enigma, <laughs> enigma because his, his church practice is so conservative, but he's not very conservative at all. He believes in, in like, um, in evolution. He believes in like, you know, not a literal seven days, like things that you think would go along with that. He doesn't believe in at all. So I said that because I feel like some of these like John MacArthur types, he's like, you know, go home, Beth Moore types. It's just clearer and clearer to me that they're just using their power of privilege and of position just to like lord it over people, you know, especially mm-hmm. women and how, not kingdom focused that is at all Mm -hmm. like not at all and how Mm -hmm. as christians we have if we're reenacting the kingdom story that's kind of what our calling is right is to represent jesus Mm -hmm. and to live the announcement of the kingdom Mm -hmm. we should be on the cutting edge (laughs) of how we treat women and how we treat sexual assault victims and we should be the harshest with the men who commit those sins Mm -hmm. um you know in the sense of like paul says handing them over so hopefully they come back repentant but oh, if they're not good. repentant, if they're if they fight you tooth and nail, they gotta go. You know, mm-hmm. like okay, you gotta go, dude. Like we don't have room in the kingdom for this kind of behavior because ultimately that behavior is what hell is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it is. You know, you're mm-hmm. ushering hell into a place that God does not want it. Mm-hmm. So, end of rant, kind of. <laughs> but you know, the point is, is that <laughs> I, I very much am with you in this because it gets, and I know the same thing goes for Jordan and for Rob too. Like it's very frustrating to see people who are claiming to represent a God that, that I know, and they have a bigger influence than we do, and they're out there, and millions of people are hearing what they're saying, and they turns out like there's either really like hidden stuff going on where they're abusing people, or they're just saying things that are like so unnecessary, and mm-hmm. so um, clearly, I would say sexist, frankly. And mm-hmm. as Christians, it's like, no, like we need to rethink how we're handling these issues. Like it's such a, we're so off base in so many ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much with you on it. Mm-hmm. It's even hard to know. I feel like when you were saying like there's could be these hidden things with anyone really that is in the public sphere. It's so hard to, you know, like, I don't know, you're talking to somebody and recommending something, recommending a book or, or a sermon or a pastor or something like that. And then how do you feel, you know, 
a week later or something, when something comes out about that person, you're like, oh no, I've just told this person to check this person out or whatever, read their book. And it is so hard, even on that level of just like a small nod of approval or recommendation and how that can come back on you. Um, let alone like the, the situations where, you know, you're really invested in a church or something like that. And, um, you're inviting people to come and, and be part of that community and, you know, give their lives to Christ in this setting where mm-hmm. there is a person, you know, leading mm-hmm. in that circumstance mm-hmm. and then something happens, you know, that can have devastating consequences. Um, but it's so hard to know. I think it's, it, it's important for us to um, be careful the way that we, give recommendations towards other people that may be considered sort of celebrity status in the church um, and how we talk about that and endorse that um, because you never know. Um, And it's hard to, I mean, it's almost like you you have to, there's a balance there because you don't want to live in that way where you're just always assuming the worst about everyone. Um, Certainly not. But at the same time, you don't want to elevate this person or their book above the place where they should be. Um, and I think that's where you start to get into those problems. Yeah. I was thinking about how I was, I was thinking about as we're talking, like why is there such a cultural push uh, almost like we were talking about, like to the other extreme of almost like hatred, like, you know, stone everyone who did anything wrong ever. I think part of that is because, many of us are realizing how hidden these things were for so long mm. that we're angry. You know, we're, we're angry that people were like, we can use a non-Christian example, like the Harvey Weinstein. Okay. That's a great example that this is going on for decades. It's a <sighs> joke in the industry, yeah. you know, like, Oh, you have to get on Harvey's couch in order to get the position kind of thing. It's like a joke. Mm. And then it comes out that like, well, no, he's actually sexually assaulting women. And I think people are like, we're, we're pissed. Like how, how is this happening? And no one said anything. So I feel like there's a a lot of people who are first to admit, I mean, I think even the most radical Twitter people who are the quickest to condemn in person would admit that no one is perfect, obviously. And that, and that, and that we all have our own junk that we're wrestling with and, and problems that we have, but when they're, when it's hidden and your character publicly is, is, is portrayed as, or your persona is portrayed as someone else as a good, you know, guy or whatever. I think that's where the anger comes in because people don't like feeling deceived, especially in a culture where we're always being deceived, whether we're, we're being sold something or we're being told something or whatever it is. I feel like everything is so exaggerated already in, in our culture as a whole that we're already on like the lookout for the, the, the catch or the strings attached or the deception. So when we really do get tricked, we're even angrier because it's like, dang it. Like, you know, we're looking for it and you hit it so well. And now I'm really mad because you're hurting people. Like you're actually hurting real people and they feel like they can't come forward because their freaking jobs in jeopardy, even though they were the ones who were victimized. Like that's an upside down world, right? That, That world is like, it's not correct. So it's, I think it just gets the profit and people fired up because mm-hmm. they can see how clearly wrong it is and they're mm-hmm. demanding change 
And when these big institutions, whether it's a church or an industry, are slow, people get frustrated and they start getting more aggressive. So I hope that the church listens to the thousands, maybe even at this point, millions of voices that are demanding real change. But it has to happen because between millennials and Gen Z, like most of us already want nothing to do with the evangelical church for many reasons, you know, and this is just another, another brick on that pile of just reasons to doubt the authority or the, the goodness of the church, which I know Mm -hmm. for this podcast and for you, Olivia, we believe is the hope of the world, but when it's so misused and so misguided, I can totally get why people walk away. I can totally get why people say they're hypocrites. It's like, yeah. And then those people who are in leadership post things like, you know, if you lost your faith, I, I, I really um, would challenge what your faith was to begin with. It's like, oh my gosh. Like that's, that's that's what Brian Houston tweeted a few days ago. You know, it's like, do you have any idea of like the hurt that church causes? Or my my other favorite one is um, if the church hurt you, that was people, not God. I used to be a big proponent of that belief system, but, I've changed because what I've realized is that when, when you go to a church or a church service, people are claiming to speak for God. So when, when someone in the church hurts you, that person sees it like God's hurting them because we're claiming to know Jesus. We're claiming to represent him. We're claiming to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Well, if we're beating people over the head with a bat, you know, and, and we're like, we're, we're representing Jesus. This is what the kingdom is. You know, it's all these things. It makes sense why people would get hurt and leave the faith because they have to be intertwined. The church and Jesus are, they're connected to each other. They're part of the same, the same tree. So mm-hmm. it is frustrating to see some of like the Christian tropes that we've created that are not humble. They're not willing to listen. They're just quick. Like, Oh, well, if you left, like, you know, was your faith even there to begin with? Like, okay. How empathetic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how empathetic are we? So mm-hmm. it's very frustrating for sure. Yeah. And I, I feel like <sighs> hmm, I'm trying to phrase this in a <laughs> in a gentle way. <laughs> I <laughs> let him have it. Don't be a submissive woman. Let him have it. Um, Amen. <laughs> uh, I do feel like we really, really need to have a revival in the church from the point of stop looking to your pastors as the only way you talk to God, as the only way you receive anything from spiritually, whatever, you know, and, or from the people like true, like I have people that speak into my life that, um, say like, Hey, like, I think this might be from the Lord, you know, take it and consider it, pray over it, look at scripture and, you know, meditate on it. But I, I have to, and I've had to go through this where I've looked up to Christian leaders. I mean, my story, but I've looked up to pastors and I've looked up to authors, um, a lot and I've idolized them. It's really easy for me to idolize. That's why I fell so quickly into the whole thing with John Chris is that I was so quick to like look up to people and put all my trust in them. And the problem was, is that I was putting my trust in them and fulfillment from those relationships or from what I was learning from them and not in Jesus. Right. And so the church needs to take their shift off of celebrity pastors, off of celebrity worship artists, comedians, and 
turn it back to Jesus. Like, oh my goodness, of course I can learn things from Francis Chan and, you know, all these really wise people, but I need to be getting my fulfillment, my truth, my wisdom, my grace from Jesus and Jesus alone. And I think the church has to reestablish its focus, honestly, on Jesus in this time and back to what the Holy Spirit is telling them, because I think we've become so reliant on cool, sexy, like church culture, you know, if you can even call some of it that, but (laughs) um, (laughs) some of it's pretty ugly, but yeah, some of it's pretty ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some pretty ugly stuff, but you know, it's, it's so easy to focus on that. And I think my prayer is that, you know, we submit to one another, but mostly we just submit to Jesus again and stop idolizing people and putting our trust and our spiritual health in the hands completely of someone else. Cause that isn't what Jesus desires. I think that, um, Maybe we'll try and bring you back for episode three because I would (laughs) love to, I want to unpack that more with you and Jordan and Rob, because while I agree with what you're saying, Mm. I want to know what that looks like in reality, because the reality is that we all learn about the Bible and Jesus from people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what happens if you cut them out. And I also believe in listening to the Holy Spirit but I also know people who will have different beliefs because God told them to have it according to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, well, the Holy Spirit tells me that I should not wear a mask. Well, the Holy Spirit oh says I should wear a mask. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> you know, so while I agree with your principal thinking, I think for episode three, whenever we do this, it'd be good to unpack that more um, because I'm, the more I'm kind of thinking through it, the more I'm like, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to get this idea of God from someone, from some person, you know, like, Mm -hmm. unless I'm claiming to be a, a, you know, God's newest prophet where he just beat (laughs) me down to me. But so I think that there's definitely a tension we have to wrestle with, because I agree, celebrity culture in the church is dangerous. um, No doubt about it, for sure. But yeah, anyway, I I, I just I do want to caveat, I I don't, I don't mean to say that the church isn't important. I work at a church. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love working at my church. My church is incredible. Um, But I think maybe what I'm starting to hint at is the way a church operates and leadership. And I think that's, I think that's what we're going for. And my church is very different in how it operates compared to most churches. So there's I think no it is doubt. the answer. Yes, it is the answer. And <laughs> Our church is the answer. Yeah. There's no doubt We're that. Doing that it uh, yeah, right. <laughs> We're Actually, doing guys, it we've, we've unlocked, we've cracked the code, you know. <laughs> we've done it. Come um, back next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's but you no will doubt. have to pay for the Patreon yeah. <laughs> to get the answer. And also, <laughs> and Rob is kicked off the show. <laughs> yes, Rob's yeah. kicked off the show. Uh, yeah, I agree with you totally. The uh, the CEO business model that we made the church uh, needs mm-hmm. to be rethought 100%. Amen. So um, I think um, go ahead. one step Final further thoughts. even than what you're saying, and I'll say this because I'm going to say I half agree with what you were saying, Tim, about how you feel about the, the statement of um, if, how did you say it? If the, oh, if you were hurt by the church, that it was by people and not by God. Oh yeah. Um, And your explanation of that I think is good. I think that it happens 
And it's almost like everything else we've been talking about today, that it's sort of like a victim situation mm -hmm. where this person has been hurt by another person, like you said, maybe wielding the Bible or, you know, Jesus in a way that they shouldn't have. Um, and I think that the same sort of uh, approach we have to have towards leaders and like the CEOs of the church, you know, and whatnot, uh, that we're careful about that has to in some way also come down to that sort of individual level and how we're approaching the way that we speak into other people's lives as the church um, and being careful with that because you're right, you can hurt someone. Someone can get hurt by other people that are poorly representing Jesus and what he's really all about. Um, and that's why I guess I'll say I half agree with you because in the end, I really don't think it is Jesus. <laughs> I think it's an unfortunate, they have been hurt by another person who is misrepresenting Jesus. And yes, you're right in their perception of it. It very well may be the Bible or Jesus. Um, but it's been this like filtration through this other person and it's tough because you're right. We can't cut people completely out of the equation. Um, we didn't make, we didn't make the decision to bring people into the equation. That was Jesus that did that. Um, so there's obviously a reason, yeah. but you know, you, you are right that there has to be a certain level of, and I think this plays into this next conversation somewhat that there has to be a certain level of humility and accountability at all levels throughout that, not just the people that are, you know, leading thousands of people, um, but for all of us. Yes. No, you're right. I mean, I hear you. I think, and this will be the last thought for me, we'll have to wrap up because we're over time, but I kind of see it like, you know, if I was at Chick-fil-A and an employee got really mad at me and threw a drink on me, I'd be like, yo, Chick-fil-A, like, this is a problem. And for Chick-fil-A to be like, well, it's just like the employee, like, it, it's just the person, like, it's not anything to do with us, just the person. It's like, well, no, like, this person had your uniform on and was claiming to be Chick-fil-A. So, like, mm. how are you going to fix this? And they're but like, was well, it the cows? You know, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? That's kind of how I see it. And they're like, well, take it up with the employee. Like, we have, we have nothing to do with it. You know, we're not going to get in between right. it. It's between you and that person. It's like, well, kind of yeah. but also they're yeah, wearing a chick-fil-a uniform you know sure. so. when you're using that statement as like an excuse of like no you your your uh perception or your situation isn't valid mm. because yes, this was yes, the thing yes. like no i get that like it shouldn't be um i yes. guess it is in those extreme situations where someone like really that hurt permeates all the way back through and they're like you know what i want nothing to do with god anymore yeah. because I've been hurt by the church. And that's where for me, it's like, I'm so sorry right. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that happened. To you. Right. Um, totally. But let me tell you about, you know, who Jesus really is. <laughs> Humility and repentance. They, they'll change the whole world. They really Amen. will. <laughs> um, great. Well, thanks again, Olivia, for coming on, for sharing your story. Um, powerful. Um, I really hope, I'm not sure if we have any female listeners, honestly, because I'm not sure how much they can tolerate me. But if we do, I hope that this story, um, you know, really just spoke to them, especially if they've, you know, have been victims of something like this themselves, that, that mm -hmm. they need to speak up and that, um, you know, there are people behind them that want to, them to be empowered, <laughs> right. for sure, exactly. you know, and want them to, um, to 
not go through this journey alone, I'll say, you know, what, what, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. So anyway, I'm sure we'll get you back on in the future. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks everyone so much for tuning in. Rob, don't forget you're fired and don't forget to get these posts up and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology and love Jesus.